You are listening to Three Moves Ahead, the official podcast of FlashOfSteel.com, and I am your host, Troy Goodfellow. With me tonight are our uh, freelance journalist, Tom Chick. Hello, everyone. If anyone needs a coffee, I'll run and get you one. Let me know. Freelance writer and Gamers with the Jobs uh, co-boss, Julian Murdoch. I, I'm not doing coffee, but I'm happy to do a little St. Germain champagne cocktail. You really live the life, don't you? <laughs> And with us today is our special guest uh, from Electronic Arts, Soren Johnson. Hi, good to be here. Yay, Soren Johnson. I don't think we've had, I mean, I was really, I thought it was really awesome when we had like, uh, like Vic Davis, I think was to me like our biggest celebrity we had so far. Vic has done great work. But Soren, you're, you're kind of upstaging all of our other guests, I feel. Like, oh like next to, <laughs> I guess maybe we could have Miyamoto. That would be like the next best, that would be the only way we can go up from getting you on the podcast, as far as I'm concerned. Or, or maybe Barack Obama. Barack like Obama. That would, be a, that would be an upstage. Ben, what if I, I actually get... don't think Barack Obama would have much to say about strategy games, so I, I, I'm, I would rather have Soren Johnson on than Barack Obama. I don't know. You could do a health care management sim or something. <laughs> that would count. Uh, so, Soren, how are things at Electronic Arts? Uh, good. Good. I'm a good time there. Now, how long, Soren, have you been gone from... How, how long have you been at EA? Because I'm still so um, used to thinking of you as the Civ sure. 4 guy. Like, and, and I know that's like in your, that's like probably ancient history to you now. Um, well, let's see. I left Fraxis uh, a little over two years ago. And the uh, so Civ 4 shipped... It's almost four years old at this point. Um, so, which so kind of shocks me. So. Yeah, doesn't it does it feel like ancient history to you as well? Like I, I still think of Civ Four as like tremendously relevant, uh, but it just seems like such like, like well, it mean, seems like such an old game in a way. It doesn't. It doesn't. Like some things are starting to slip away from my memory. Like I I was listening I think to this podcast a few weeks ago and someone mentioned about the fact that railroads didn't have infinite movement in Civ Four, right? Um, and I completely forgot that, right? Like, <laughs> like I'm the one who decided to do that. I programmed it. <laughs> We argued with the testers over it, not argued, but, you know, we had discussions about it for a long time, and, you know, we released it, and there was community, you know, murmuring about it, and then some people liked it, and some people didn't. But I, I completely forgot that that happened, um, and I guess that's a sign that, you know, enough, <laughs> enough time has passed. But on the, other, on the other hand, like, a lot has happened with Civ 4 since it is shipped, right? Like, like is, as is the case really with all games now, you know, shipping is just the start. Um, you know, there have been, mm-hmm. it's been interesting to see what they've done with the expansions and with colonization, but, you know, especially, and, you know, this is, you know, all the mods that have come out with Civ 4. Um, and there's this loop, right? Like, uh, modders come out with stuff, we see what they do, and sometimes that stuff gets folded back into patches or into, you know, future releases or, or whatever. So, um, it, it was a long time ago, but, it, you know, it's, new things are still popping up, you know, that are interesting. So, you know, it hasn't really finished yet. And, you know, uh, I've, I've, I've heard I've heard different designers say different things. Are you the kind of person that, like, when Beyond the Sword came out, which I believe you really didn't have anything to do with, you were long gone at that point, correct? Yeah, yeah, essentially, that's right. So, so were you the, were you the kind of person that immediately wanted to go through and play, you know, every scenario that they put in, test out every change, or or were you the kind of person that was like, I just can't even play it? Yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't play it. Like it's. Uh... <laughs> It's just. No, I mean, I know. Let me let me rephrase that. I haven't really played it that much, um, and it's it's not it's not doesn't have anything to do with with the stuff they've done. 
it's just that it's so hard for me to see. I, I can play something like Fall from Heaven, which is just you know a complete reboot, right? Like it's complete, so different. Yeah, it's so yeah. different. I mean, it's like you know you can see Civ Four inside of it, but it's you know it's meant to be different. Whereas it's hard for me to look at something that's that's meant to you know enhance Civ Four without. I mean, I, I I have a hard time playing the base Civ Four as it is right now without being like oh. I should have changed that, or you know, I don't like how this worked out. It's just it's just hard to view it after a certain period of time. I can still play multiplayer, just because. And well, that's the other problem, right? Because I wrote the AI, so it, it's always been this weird issue of like when I'm playing <laughs> the AI and like if I do good, if I'm if I'm winning, is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? Because like my AI is not perform. You know, you know, what I mean? like who's who's supposed to win here, me or the AI? Like I don't know which one's supposed <laughs> to. Be it's like playing chess <laughs> with yourself. <laughs> so, <laughs> Uh, it's this really weird existential problem. Like I don't really know how to <laughs> all of that. So, so yeah, it's kind of it's kind of tough for me to play base base of four. Um, and so with the expansions and beyond that, I've kind of had this issue with, um, and this this also happened to some extent with Civ three that when the game shipped, um, like I was very involved with patching, you know, making you know trying to you know adapt adapt the game rules uh, to. To fit what we wanted the game to be, not necessarily what um, the game actually was, because you, you learn more about the game as people actually play it. Um, but beyond that, it was hard for me to just look at the game and say, "Okay, now what we really need to do is add some units and add some new features and add some new stuff." Um, because this, especially with Civ Four, like I felt like what we shipped was you know, a very complete thing. You know, there wasn't any more in there that I wanted to add, um, and it was of a certain size as it was supposed to be. Um, as, as I wanted it to be. Um, but that's not really the way the business works. And, that, and that's, that's the way it has to be. You know, games have to keep growing. You need expansions, right? I mean, it's, it's important. But for me as a designer, it's hard for me to, like, think of an idea that's like, okay, this idea needs to be in the game, but I'm not going to put it in the game because, I, you know, we need something for the expansion. You know, I can't really think like that. And that means when the project's, o- when the project's over, I don't really know where to go with it, you know? Um, so, so Civ Four in its current state probably couldn't be made today. Like, would would you agree with that? Uh, what do you mean by that exactly? Well, I'm just wondering, like Civ Four as this sort of complete, elegant, generous package. I'm just imagining, and no no slam against your current employer, but I'm imagining someone like EA or Activision wanting to sort of divide it into phases with expansions and more downloadable content. The the, uh, the Sims Three model. Where are my pets? Right. Yeah. right, right, right. I could just sort of imagine maybe Civilization Four, the the way it was originally released, might fall prey to that sort of business model, uh, and that's really, I guess, a publisher question. But I don't know. Yeah. Would you would you agree with that? I think. Well, I mean, I think the Civ series is safe enough because it, it's it's still. I mean, it's it's kind of a big deal to to core gamers, um, but it still kind of flies underneath the radar enough that. Um, it doesn't have the same the same type of pressure on it. You know, when you have when you're talking about right. franchise like The Sims, I mean, you know, EA's financial future rests significantly on how that series does. So, um, you know, the line does get very blurry between game design and um, you know business, um, right? You know, business models. And so, I don't I don't envy the discussions they have to have on that on that team. Um, whereas for Civ, I I think I mean it's it's <laughs> I think if nothing else, Civ is saved by the topic, right? Like, I think that we could never really sell a Civ that ended at, like, 
the Renaissance, right? We're just like, <laughs> right? You know? part one, part two, part three. <laughs> Hold on. Um, so I think I don't think there's really any way to pull that off. And as long as you have a game that that scales all of history, you know, I, I think there's only so many ways to cut it up. I mean, we, we couldn't we couldn't make Civ four and just drop technology, right? You know, and like, oh, we'll put that in expansion. So yeah, I, I think Civ would be all right. But it's but you're right that that's a big problem for games in general. I mean, the PC the PC gaming market, you know, it's you know, retail games are it's it is it's changed a lot. Like I don't know what the answer is for um, for a lot of games going forward because they're just you know the, the sales is just definitely not what it used to be. Um, and beyond that, there's so much so many other ways to make money that you right. know it's, it's kind of you've got these two things competing against each other. You know you're going to make a lot less money than you used to if you're releasing a PC retail game, and you know there's so much. Other money to be made out there, in you know, on the web or on consoles or you know what have you. Um, well, so. part, part of why I ask, and part of what civilization reminds me of, I mean, why I think of this, Soren, is I, I would have thought the same thing about, say, StarCraft. StarCraft is all about the three races, uh, you know, so that, that's like one release. It's one package, it's three races, and they're dividing it into three separate releases, one for each race. Uh, so it's just, I imagine if Civilization Four were made today, I'm just sure there would be publishers sitting around wondering if they could divide it up like that, you know. Like you say, okay, we go up to the Renaissance, then we go right. to the Modern Age in Part Two, and then in Part Three we had the sci-fi part stuff. Three, I don't the know. wheel. <laughs> <laughs> so what uh, now? How much? I, I know you're. I don't think what you're working on now, Soren, is announced. How much can you tell us about what you're doing at EA these days? We wouldn't be doing our job if we didn't at least ask. <laughs> Without crying a little bit, huh? Um, <laughs> well, I. I want to move strategy gaming forward for PCs, games in general, right? I mean, that's if there is a high-level goal to my career, that's what it is. And um, I don't think the answer is uh, a box retail game anymore. You know, for a lot of the reasons we've been talking about here. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know how that experiment is going to work out for StarCraft. I mean, in, in the sense, it's kind of like I'm not sure how much we can learn from it because it's StarCraft. So, you know, it's like it's going to sell no matter what. Um, you know, if, if, if it was a new IP and they were trying that type of model, that would be something interesting to watch. Um, so, yeah, there's like kind of this, this, this weird two stories going on pulling in opposite directions. You know, one is that PC retail is, is declining. I mean, it's been declining for a while, but now it's really declining. <laughs> um, and, but at the same time, clearly people have never used PCs as much as they use them today, Right. Um, and they're just going to be using them more next year and more the year after that. So people, you know, in, in no way are people not using PCs anymore. Um, so, 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 so what you're saying is you're working on a free-to-play microtransaction flash browser-based uh, <laughs> MMO strategy game. Well, a couple of those adjectives apply, but not all of them. Um, <laughs> How many half-naked women will you use in your web advertising? <laughs> oh, God. Will I have to punch a monkey? <laughs> <laughs> We, we will not oh. be using busty women in our advertisement, nor stealing <laughs> assets from Age of Kings, if that's what you're <laughs> uh, Soren, is this something that you think would make Civilization Four fans happy? Like, once they find out what you're working on, is, is this going to get them excited? Uh, I hope so, yeah. Um, I mean, it's, I'm, I'm interested in doing stuff on the web. I mean, I, I feel like this is the play. This is what a computer means to people nowadays, uh, is their browser. Um, mm -hmm. And... Uh, Beyond that, I'm also excited about getting back to 2D. 
Um, I think that 3D is good for some things, but I think that for kind of the core strategy um, audience, it's kind of it's kind of muddied what's actually going on with the rules. Um, you know, I mean, there's there's a lot of different ways to approach a strategy game. I mean, there's um, you know, a game like a game like Dawn of War or StarCraft, you know, the new StarCraft. I mean, just just the um, what you see, you know, the the visceral experience of seeing what you of what you see on the screen matters, right? But there is another side strategy game. I mean, the type of people who play a lot of you know board games, you know, for example, where you know what the game really is the mechanics and the rules. I mean, that's that's the important part. Um, and I think two D really is the right uh, art style for that. Um, and so I'm kind of excited to be, you know, making a game where that's the basis. Um, mm-hmm. And and you know, in the sense also that you can just make games, you know, a lot, a lot smaller, a lot cheaper. Um, I have kind of, um, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but I do the I do the uh, design and programming when I when I make a game. So um, the the fast the less friction there is for me to develop a game, the better. Um, and as I discovered with Civ 4, uh, 3D adds a lot of friction to the development process, right? Um, when you make a 2D game, you know, you can prototype with, you know, just random JPEGs, you know, and that, and you're done. Um, and uh, whereas, you know, for 3D, you know, the lighting can get broken, the animation can get broken. There's so many, so many more things that can go wrong, you know, so I'm kind of excited about that. And then right. the, other, the other thing that's really excited about the web is that, you know, persistence is just taken for granted. Um, I mean, I don't know... Uh, persistence and connectivity is sort of taken for granted, right? Like, I don't know how much time we spent pulling our hair out with connectivity issues with Sephora and, um, you know, out of sync problems, and um, it's just, it, you know, all the, all the issues with people behind various types of routers, and I can see your game, but you can't see my game, and, and whatnot. Um, you know, that stuff just kind of just goes away when you're when you're in, in on the web. Um, so all, all those things point to me to trying to, try to okay, what are the strategy games people want to play? What what type of games of those games can we make right now in a browser? Um, and, and like right now, you, I don't think you can make pure Sephora in a browser, for example. But it'll you know stuff like that will be possible someday. Um, and right. I'm just trying to start down that path. You know. Uh, so and what so, can you say about when? Uh, is this something that we might, for instance, hear more about before the end of the year? Is this something farther down the road? Um, yeah, I mean, I would like to, I would like to soft launch something, um, you know, uh, within maybe a few months or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and that means essentially, I'm not sure if it's, it would be private or sort of semi-public or, or what the issue would be. I mean, it's, web developers tell you all the time that, you know, the answer is to release early, release often, just get something out there. Um, doesn't matter how ugly it is, just see how people like it, right? And, um, that's, that's a big adjustment for people coming from AAA games to make. So um, theoretically, there's something I could release right now. It's just kind of like, uh, you know, am I really ready to, <laughs> hey. to show this off? It doesn't really have art. You know, it's just a bunch of letters and numbers moving around. You know, and uh, um, so that's kind of the questions I have to, I, I need to answer. You know, what, what, you know, what is it really? Is this really ready for an audience or not yet? Um, but the basic basic idea is, you know, as a, a site for strategy gamers, you know, where there's a variety of games available, um, uh, the, the beginning games are going to be fairly basic. You know, they're going to be, um, you know, things things on the scale of, you know, Advance Wars, something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and hopefully also highly moddable. Um, 
but that's that's a that's a sort of bigger technological challenge through the web. So we'll have to see. How yeah, that goes. for sure. Well, yeah, presumably that means that you've you've you know dipped your toes more than a little bit into the waters of things like Travian and and you right. know the, there's you know half a dozen pretty good uh, turn-based strategy games. You know many of them fairly massive in terms of the number of players. A lot of them community-oriented. I mean, what what are you what are you taking from those that you like, and what are you seeing the big deficiencies in those as they exist so far? Yeah, those games I find really interesting. Travian, when I played Travian, it was the first time I saw a game where the words Civ MMO actually meant anything to me. You know, like that actually, you know, I could sort of begin to comprehend what that something like that might look like. Um, and, Soren, sorry uh, to cut you off, but I, I don't know what Travian is. Can you tell like people like um, me what what is Travian? Well, it's really, it's, you know, which is especially funny because technically at, at this point, I, and I don't know for sure, but I would guess that Travian is the largest online RTS game in the world at this point. Yeah, I would think so. And uh, it's slow RTS, right? I mean, this is, in a sense, it's not, it's not radically different from some of the stuff you see in Facebook, just it's a lot deeper. There's a lot more there. Um, so these, this is a game where... You know, you found a village, and you, you know, build your lumber mills, and you build your barracks, and so on and so forth. But everything you do happens in real time and happens slowly. So you say, okay, build the library, and your library will be done in eight hours, right? Oh, um, right. Yeah, so in the, so you basically, it's the type of game you're, in, in, in a sense, it's all not that much different from, like, fantasy sports. You know, it's the type of thing that you expect to play, you know, five minutes in the morning, five minutes at night, and that's and that's it, you know? Okay. Um, but at the high end, there's people who, this is what they're doing just all the time, right? They get involved with alliances, and they get involved in the forums, and in the metagaming, and so on and so forth. And um, I, I think these games are really interesting. I think there is a lot there. Um, I'm not sure about the current format, where it's so massive. Um, I think there's, there's a number of problems with this game. I think for your average gamer... It gets, it's, when you first start playing the game, it has that kind of addictive hook of, you know, every time I go back, my town's a little bit better than it used to be. Um, but it's also a very, um, it's a very aggressive game. They even have a term for it. It's called, what, wait, do they call it farming? Or what they call it? Well, yeah, they have n- n- newbie farming or something. Right. Um, where the, the older established players are just looking for new players, and you either join their right. alliance or, you know, nice little town there. I hope something doesn't happen to it, you know. And, uh, <laughs> Um, you know, they'll, they'll just basically farm your resources. Um, well, and it really, it really harkens back to the days of the really hardcore play-by-mail games, right. where you would get, you know, 64-player turns, and there would be 15 guys who knew what they were doing, and everybody else would wait a year or two until they had the learning curve, they could survive. Well, it reminded me, all these games remind me a lot of, of the old BBS store games. Yes. Yeah, I mean, these right. type of games have been around for a while. It's just like the web is the first time they've started to hit you know, some sort of mass audience. Right. Um, and in a way, it kind of reminds me of where MMOs were probably right when they were transitioning from MUDs to stuff like Ultimate Online. Um, whereas, you know, it's like, oh, wow, there's a lot of people who could be interested in this stuff, but it's not, it's not really set up in a way that, you know, I would describe as accessible to the average player, you know. Um, and there, you know, there's a, quite the evolution from, you know, MUDs to Ultimate Online to the Evercrest to WoW nowadays. And I think that, uh, these strategy games need to un- undergo kind of a similar uh, progression. Um, so I-, I find those games really, I mean, I think every strategy gamer should try them out because I think there's 
there is um, like half the stuff I see there I think is like really incredible, and then half the stuff in there I think is like really terrible. So you know, it's like this incredible mixed bag. The one actually I find I found the most interesting is uh, one called Nylon Line yeah. by the t- Tilted Mill people. Um, have, yep. any, have, you, have any of you guys tried that? Yep, I have. Yes. Yeah, it's um, it's it basically takes the military out of the equation. Um, it makes it purely an econ- economic game, uh, and it's all about scarcity, essentially. Like, there's these X number of unique... Everyone's situated on the Nile, going up and down, so everyone can trade with everyone else. And um, uh, there's this concept of resource scarcity, where, you know, I have uh, bronze, and you might have, uh, you know, uh, jewels or uh, uh, henna or something else. And there's all the stuff you want to build, and you can't have all the resources yourself, so I mean, you make friends and trade or buy stuff on the open market or, you know, this or that. Or, uh, and uh, by not, by taking the military out so you're not always afraid of someone stealing your stuff, like, it, you know, it was, it was the type of world I enjoyed sticking around in for a few months. Um, it still led to that ultimate, ultimate problem of, like, what's the point here? Like, what, you know, there's always a where these games suddenly transition into yard work, right? And you're like, right. um, you know, I just don't want to I don't want to have this this new demand on me that I have to check on once a day. You know. Well, I mean, you brought up the you brought up the analogy of like fantasy sports leagues, and to me, that's quite often the missing component of this is that there does need to be, I think, in in a strategy game, an end game, like like right. a, like an actual ending, not just an end game like in WoW where you just sit around and do whatever it is you do for the next rest of your life. But the in, and some of these games, I can't remember which ones do it. I think maybe Quarantine 2019, which is the zombie one, which is also really excellent. Um, and, and one other one do basically these like seasons passes where you right. are playing for X period of time. And, and most of the time, it's an actual real time zone. Like, you know, at the end of 60 days or 30 days, that season is over and a winner is declared. And right. in that case, there 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 is sort of that sense of it's more than just tending your garden. The flip side of that, however, is that because the learning curve in these games tends to be pretty steep, you have a huge sort of abandonment problem, right? Because if you've got a thousand people starting a season, it's pretty clear a quarter of the way through that a whole pile of these people are never going to make it to the end, and so you just end up with wastelands and then these sort of pockets of competition. Yeah. Yeah, I think there is a lot to learn from the fantasy model because I mean that's obviously one that's hugely successful. And um, yeah, I do think I do think there needs to be an end. I think, I mean, there is actually an end in Travian. Like the there is a specific end goal, and the servers do reset from time to time. But like you won't know about it unless you start digging into their documentation. Like the game doesn't. Put, yeah, it's not obvious, right? Like there there is actually a specific goal here. You can win the game, so to speak. Um, but another problem is scale, right? Like, what does it mean to win the game when you're playing a strategy game with a thousand people, right? Like, um, clearly you don't want one win, one winner and 999 losers, right? So, <laughs> Well, no, um, they tend to be community-based. I mean, my experience with these is entirely based around the Gamers with Jobs community, which swarms from these things from one to the other. And, like, right now they're playing Quarantine 2019, and there's 80 people playing that. And yeah. then they move on to the next one, and the 80 people play that for a while. Right? right, and that's what makes that a compelling experience because it has the MMO quality too. But they often tend to be fairly thin strategically. I mean, in terms of really engaging strategy, I haven't found any of these to be really like intellectually challenging and stimulating. Right. Oh yeah. I mean, they're definitely all about like you know forming. This happened at quarter three. What about a year ago with Ethereum? Right. There's right. Kind of yeah. 
I remember yeah, yeah. Where, like everyone was piling out of that game, and you're all part of this alliance, and we're working together, and like that's a great feeling. But then, but then there's the downside of that ramp too, of like where is this going, you know? And um, um, I, I haven't played in one of these games where I've gotten to an end game part with some sort of alliance, where um, like we actually have a, a win condition in in reach. So I just I don't know what that's like. Um, but you know, sometimes sometimes it's important to have the ability. You know, sometimes it's important to lose, right? Um, like I think that people who who aren't strategy gamers and like these games clearly aren't for everyone, right? Um, but People who aren't strategy gamers don't necessarily have that perspective as well. I, I don't know if that makes sense to you guys, but um, like it gives it gives some sort of context of like okay, there was this thing I attempted to do and I got close this time, but I didn't make it. So now I can feel like I want to try it again, right? Um, and I feel like these games are kind of missing that component, um, right? So, I don't know. I mean, it's it's this this is a legitimately interesting area of innovation and development of strategy games, right? Like, I don't know if I would describe AAA RTSs that way right now, for example, you know. Um, like, there's a lot there's a lot going on there, a lot changing, a lot of potential. Um, you know, and it's, it's, it's going to, it's, you know, interesting stuff is going to come out of this. Um, whereas I feel like AAA RTS games are much more in the sort of flight simulator phase of their... Um, their genre, you know. Um, Stop where, saying that. You're 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 doom <laughs> and gloom. You're making me sad. <laughs> oh, it's. I mean, it's it's inevitable, right? Like, um, no. Uh, the sales aren't <laughs> the sales aren't measuring up, and the production costs are going up, right? Uh, the the costs are going up, and the sales are going down. Like, what's going to happen, right? Well, but yeah. StarCraft will save us all. <laughs> well, Starcraft will be awesome. I mean, the thing is, what we need is more games like DefCon, right? Like DefCon is an awesome RTS game. Yeah, there's Multiwinia, yes. Multiwinia. They're trying. Yeah, I mean, they're doing their best. <laughs> Age, Age of Booty. I mean, there there are games out there, and, and the thing is, like, what? I, well, guess what I mean is, AAA RTS development needs to crater for something to be reborn, right? Like. Like it ah, needs right. to kind of fall apart, and then something else will happen because people will want to keep playing these type of games. It just it needs a different business model right now, yeah. and I think part of that will be answered with the web, um, but I think part of it will also be answered by you know stuff like yeah stuff like MultiWinnie and DefCon that can be you know bought for twenty dollars over Steam or whatever. So right, um, I mean to me that's that's the future. No one's gonna buy MultiWinnie over Steam. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> Coming out over Xbox some other medium. Some other way they're going to buy it then? No, they're never going to buy Multiwinia. Especially you guys wait. You, y'all wait until Ruse comes out and completely revitalizes the RTS industry, and then you'll be sorry. It'll revitalize the expensive <laughs> table industry. Yes. <laughs> I, let's talk a little bit then about the social network part of this, because you know you, right. you dropped the word Facebook in there a couple of times, right. and clearly. The guys at Facebook have said, "Hey, you know what? This is a huge growth option for us." The guys, at, you know, very smart guys like Popcap have said, "Hey, there's a huge audience here," um, but I, I feel like we haven't really had the crossover hit yet, where you've got the hardcore gamers not only admitting but proselytizing a Facebook game. Is that just a matter of time, or do you think there there are sort of technical and business barriers to working with something like Facebook? Um, I think it's a it's a cultural issue, right? Like there is there's even I would I would use the word hostility sometimes between these the, the two sides here. Um, sure. That I think there's a lot of core gamers who look at 
look at Facebook the way a lot of core console gamers look at the Wii, you know, where it's like, you know, these guys are the enemy. <laughs> I don't know if that's the right way to phrase it, but, um, you know, I think that there's a gap, right? I think there's a big gap between um, uh, web developers and, and game developers. And I think that um, the best companies are aware of this gap and want to get, you know, people with expertise in both sides together. You know, to make great games. I just I don't think that has happened yet. I think it is in the process of happening. I mean, I obviously the the most you know visible sign of that was when Brian Reynolds got hired by Zynga, right? I mean, that's that's huge, right? I mean, there's core gamers are going to trust something coming from Brian Reynolds, right? I mean, end of story. So it's uh, you know it's kind of up to him to see what he's what he's going to try to do with that. Um, I had a very interesting conversation with Brian Reynolds uh, last week about his new job, which I'm going to be working to a feature I'm writing for Crispy Gamer. And he says, yeah, there's a lot of stuff he's had to unlearn uh, yep. from the old, from the AAA business. Just the way things are done, the game development is, is just so radically different the way to understand the whole development process. The, from the retail box model to the get this done in get this done in a month, we can do simultaneous betas with half our audience trying this feature and half our audience trying this other feature. Just this whole very quick way of doing things and constant adaptation um, it has really been a, been a challenge for him, he says. Uh, but it's very exciting. Yeah, and I think the AAA game developers really need to approach this process with humility, right? Like, I think we have a lot to wor- learn from the web. You know, there's a lot of incredible products that have emerged organically on the web that, through that process. Um, and I really feel like it's for the best, right? Like, I feel like when when I was designing Civ 4, for example, um, I mean, I, I, game development feeds on feedback, right? Like, when you, when you look at the best titles and you look at what their development process was, there's one thing you'll find consistent through all of them. They all found ways to get feedback as early as possible and as often as possible, right? I mean, you can make a Valve, for example. I mean, they, you know, they... You know, every week, if not every day, they're pulling people from outside to play to play their games, so they'll know exactly how you're going to respond to certain situations. Um, Blizzard, of course, is is famous for how long they'll keep games in, you know, these gigantic betas. You know, first with their friends and family, and then with you know just a larger community. And um, so the the AAA games that have succeeded, you know, are already doing this. But this is just a given on the web. This is the only way to make stuff is to you know, you know, put something out and try it out, and then try something else out and see how it goes. And you know, make games as a dialogue with your audience. Um, and you know, good games have to come from that. I mean, you can't you can't deceive yourself. You know, whenever you see a game that completely flops, you kind of you can kind of envision in your head that the designer, you know, was to some sense sense deceiving themselves about what the audience was going to like. Um, and uh, I think that's really exciting that it's. You know, they've they've already kind of solved that problem for us. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I say for myself, I've been I've been I found it remarkable how fast I've been able to develop stuff on the web um, because they've already have all of these interface uh, conventions and, and widgets and standards for storage and standards for communication that a lot of teams have to build from scratch every single time they make a game or you know kind of bend to reuse. Um, you know, there's a lot of really great, re- really stable technology that, you know, I mean, nothing compares to the scale of the web, right? And, um, you know, games are just a small part of that. So, you know, I found it to be a, you know, a great, great platform to develop inside of. Um, and, yeah, I'd, I'd really love to hear, you know, what you know, more about Brian's thoughts on that. 
Well, many of them will be a feature that will hopefully uh, hit the web when I finish writing it uh, late this week or early next. Um, so is there anything that you can learn from AAA titles that are out right now? Is there anything going on in any strategy gaming company you can point to outside of the web industry that you can say, hey, they're doing something right, that they really have a sense of where this industry is going, or is it all, or is everything? That, I mean, the turn-based market is pretty much dead, but you have Stardock out there doing some interesting things. Um, taking some risks here and there. Uh, you have some stuff in the independent uh, games arena, some interesting things going on. Any, is there anybody you think really has a grip on where this industry, where this genre is going? Is the paradigm shift that necessary? Well, I mean, I think it, I, I think it is. I mean, I think that, um, you know, companies, I think Stardock has, has a very interesting company because, uh, they under they they're already there understanding what the scale needs to be for retail. You know, I guess we need a better name for these type of games. You know, games that you buy, right? You buy a single time um, because at some point it's not retail; it's download. But um, but uh, I mean, they're able to make like you couldn't pitch a game like Sins of the Solar Empire to a company like EA, right? I mean, it's just it's too niche and um, it's uh, you know they oh, there's there's so many games like it that have just sold you know next to nothing right and right. Um, and beyond that for for a real retail product like a company like EA or Activision just won't make a game if it if the budget is below a certain amount right they just they don't think in terms of small bets right um, but you know, Stardock looked at a product like that and, and saw that, okay, you know, if we keep the budget below this, you know, we can make a lot of money on it. And they have made a lot of money on it, you know, and that's that's fantastic, right? Um, so I think that I think that if you do, you know, there are a few companies that are starting to understand what the right scale needs to be for strategy games going into the future. Um, but, uh, you know, I think, you know, I think unfortunately for a lot of the major publishers, it's not... It's not really a genre that, that looks particularly interesting right now. Um, so I, I am I also really interested in like I said that um, you know there's not a lot of innovation happening in um, in AAA RTS games. I, I, I guess the, there is an exception to that, right? I mean I think that what's happening with the, the Dota model, you know, with Demigod and with uh, what's what's the name of that going to be? Is it La- League of Legends or Land of Legends or Oh, that uh, S2 thing? Uh, what the heck is that called? That Heroes of New Earth thing or whatever? No, I don't think that's that. Thinking, I'm act- thinking of something this else. This is actually the people who made Defense of the Ancients, the you know the Warcraft 3 mod. Um, ah, okay, they, right, right. They've gotten, they've gotten fund- funding and they're making a company that's you know, basically making an a, you know, official version of, of that product under a different name, obviously. Um, but obviously Demigod right. uh, descends from the exact same uh, design stretch. And this is... This is you know, an important new concept for strategy games, the idea of, you know, this large battle and you are controlling this single entity. Um, and it's just a matter of time until someone makes... This Like, this is a model that could work on a console, right? Like, uh, console strategy games where you're controlling, you know... I, I might argue more than one unit, but certainly more than just a few units just are not going to work. You know, that's not... That's not a model that that can work with the type of controller you have on the console. I mean, they've been right. tr- they've been trying for years to make it happen, um, and I mean, I think I don't think they've even announced uh, 
uh, console version for CNC4, right? I mean, I think that's just PC only. Um, and that's, and certainly we've heard nothing about Blizzard, any, you know, any, any rumblings of StarCraft 2 being anything but a PC title. Um, so, you know, I think maybe people are starting to finally realize that that's, that's literally impossible. But the idea that you can't make a good strategy game on the console is ridiculous, right? It's just a question of, of, you know, what's the right format for that game? And having a strategy game where there's a focal point of one specific unit and then you're, you know, deciding how you fit into this larger battle, I mean, that's something that can't work. So, um, I think that strain of design is very interesting and something cool will come out of that. Um, I don't know who's the person right now who's going to make that work on the console, but I think if there is one piece of low-hanging fruit right now, it would be that. It's odd to me, yeah, because gas-powered games, aren't they doing uh, uh, Supreme Commander 2 for the console? Like they've announced there's a console version of Supreme Commander 2 in the works, but not Demigod, which strikes me as a little backwards. Yeah, that's that's pretty bizarre. I mean, because Supreme Commander is pretty much the, the epitome of the game you wouldn't want to play on a console, right? Like, right. <laughs> it seems... And, and they've demonstrated that yeah. with the first one. Well, but, 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 <laughs> imagine. By their own admission, it was a failure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't really get that. Um. <laughs> but but Soren's right. I would love to see, like, that Defense of the Ancients model that, that really does seem tailor-made to trying to bring RTSs on the console systems, and I'm yep. surprised there's nothing announced or, or in the works that we know about. Well, maybe, yeah. maybe League of Legends will. Um, I can... As far as I know, it's PC only. Uh, Riot Games is the company. I'm trying to. I mean, I think there's another interesting development as well, which is the rise of, like the the legitimacy of like the one man strategy game team, right? Um, and obviously, the, the best example of that is is Vic Davis, right? And right. Uh, um, but uh, and this is where it gets kind of the lines get kind of blurry. I mean, I would I would paint a lot of mods in this category as well. Um, but I think the the tools are there now for you know one or two people to make to make interesting strategy games and and, and sell them if if you can, if they're okay with um, you know if you can find a way to sell you know ten or twenty thousand copies you know you can make it work if if you're willing to kind of like bend your life around it I guess you know it's kind of a lifestyle type business um, not really not really a uh, you know quote unquote real business I guess you'd say but um, I think that you know we're going to see a lot, a lot more of that going forward. Um, you know, which I think is why, great. Why isn't anyone uh, bringing porting more board games to uh, like, like console systems, for instance? And I asked this Soren, and I know Julian's on board with me here. As like, for instance, why isn't Rainer Kinesia doing stuff for the Nintendo DS? Uh, and I asked this partly because they just a, a little company called Oxygen Games. Nobody's going to buy this thing. Just right. made a port of a board game called Hurry Up Hedgehogs right. for the Nintendo DS. And it's it's beautiful. It's just beautiful little elegant port of a, a, a simple German board game. Right. Uh, and I, I guess there's no money in I that, but it you're just, seeing it. You're seeing it all over the place. I, what what do you? What world are you living in that I'm not living in? So Carcassonne has just been announced for the DS. It's coming with all sorts of extra fancy pants stuff on it. Um, we've seen there's like seven Reiner Kinesia games available for the iPhone now, officially licensed. Um, yeah, I don't know got, about his iPhone stuff. Is all yeah, I, I don't have got, an iPhone. You've got, so you've got, I'm talking um, about real games. You've got incredibly good ports of Carcassonne, Settlers of Catan, Ticket to Ride, uh, and Lost Cities sitting inside uh, Xbox Live Arcade right now. So, I mean, it's out Four there. Four games. Keep going. 
<laughs> That's four but games my... out of how many awesome German board game designs. And actually, I don't know, like, do those have those done well? Is the lesson there, do more of those? Or, uh, and I don't know the answer to that. Are those doing well? I, I don't know what the sales numbers are. I know that when they released, they topped the XBLA lists, you know, but that's on release. So who knows how they do once they fall off the store, right? Because unlike the, unlike that, that platform you don't want to talk about because you don't think you can play games on it, um, there's not a particularly good way to get at customers, right? There's no way to pop yourself back to the top of the list. You're kind of entirely at the mercy of Microsoft about whether or not your products ever get featured or shown anywhere or, or anything like that. But, um, you know, I think I think we are seeing those ports, and I think that is a, a font of great intellectual property and great strategy gaming that is coming, and it's coming very rapidly. And I think what you're seeing is that the rise of stuff on things like Facebook and the iPhone um, is going to is going to push console developers to start releasing more of that stuff. Yeah, and I think you're, we're we're starting to get into territory where we really need to like actual sales data to kind of make interesting observations about it. I mean, I, I assume that if we don't see a lot more German-style board games on a live arcade, then they, they just simply haven't sold well enough. Um, yeah, one would think. You know, yeah. I, I think that's... That would <laughs> are, be there any, are there any on the way out? I, I mean, Julian, you seem to think that this is like a trend. Like what? So yeah, we have, well, for the DS. Alhambra, awesome. Alhambra and Talisman are both eventually supposed to be... Is Talisman still in the works? Tal- I thought Talisman basically got... I thought it was. I thought thought it had moved on to another development studio, but I totally wrong. But and then we saw, you know, we just saw Magic release, which my the indications I got when I (laughs) talked. No, but but we're talking about (laughs) we're fishing from the same pool, right? And according to Wizards, very big success. So Alhambra, Alhambra is another. Uh, sort of classic. I think it was a Spiel des Jahres winner, but maybe like ten years ago, uh, tile laying uh, resource control game. Right. Yeah, it's very much and that's in the for, genre. Uh, there's there's one for Xbox Live. You're saying it's been in development for a while. I don't know where it is at the moment. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think that we will see more of this, but I mean, I think that they will tend towards the platforms that have have the or are the most mass media platforms. You know, and right now, those would be. I mean. That would be the web, and to some extent the iPhone. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I think that, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I need to know how, how they're doing on Live Arcade, but I mean, I, I hope we see more. I mean, those are the type of games I love. And I, I do think, though, that there's quite a few of them that don't play out as well as you think they would um, in that type of environment. And so I think what, we sh- what I hope that we see more of is video games built that are inspired by those type of games as opposed to just direct ports. If that makes sense, sure. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, my my concern about the iPhone though is uh, I, I hate the fact that like is the i I mean I, the, you have to pay like a hundred dollars a month to play things on the iPhone. It, it's, no, it's you buy an iPod still, Touch for you buy an iPod Touch on eBay for one hundred and thirty dollars and you're done. That's true. That's yeah, it. The, yeah. the iPod Touch is half of that market. Um, and, is it really? Uh, oh. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. like a thirty million dollar market, a thirty million person market, and I think uh, at least half of them are iPod touches at this point. Right. Um, so I'm sure that will that will happen to me at some point. Um, you know, when I'm ready to when it, when it finally gets big. Yeah, I did not realize that was so inevitable. Uh, I, I guess yeah, as a guy without even a well, cell phone, I, I'm way behind in that. Well, and the, in the hand me down market, you know, don't underestimate the hand me down market because so far, even with the release of the 3GS, they've managed to not bork the technology so that you can't develop for one platform anymore. And, you know, I know tons of people 
at Gamers with Jobs that picked up the original iPhone like for eighty or ninety bucks when the new phones came out. Right? They're they're useless as phones unless you go activate them, but they're perfectly great as little game consoles. You and know? there's kind of this really really funny unwritten story going on here that, but between the iPod Touch and the uh, uh, iPhone itself, in that the iPod Touch is the only thing missing from it is the the cell. That that's it, right? I mean, right. eventually, you know, you can you can make calls from your iPod Touch because you can hook you know you can hook up with your house's Wi-Fi and just call someone on Skype, Skype or, right. or whatever. And I mean, looking in the future, five years down the road, like that's. That's the device you're gonna have, right? I mean, the cell phone is not is not really. I mean, it, it's unclear like how what's the most important part of that package anymore, right? Well, my I would argue the user interface, and and I think that that's one of the more interesting angles of playing, particularly actually playing. I guess we can stretch and call. Can we call Worms a strategy game? Probably not. You're not gonna let it get away with that, are you, Tom? <laughs> Tom will Me? get it. I'm Tom the one to call everything a strategy. Yeah. I thought Tom was fast. Yeah, I'm going to start talking about RPGs in just a minute. It's, it's a strategy <laughs> game. So tag, tag, like, worms. tag is a strategy yeah, so, game. What? Tank? Tag. Tag. Tag is a strategy game. As far as Tom's concerned, sure. There's resource allocation, sure. You know, where yeah. do you stand? When are you standing there? Oh, God. Yeah, it's your resources. Stand? But, but, you but I mean, I think uh, having now played Worms today on the iPhone, I can completely see this being the launch that reinvigorates Team 17 and puts them back in the market. And that's a great thing. They make great games. I think they, I consider those to be, I mean, I guess they're tactical. They're not really strategy games. But, you know, you collect things and you blow people up, so I'm willing to give it a stretch. <laughs> that's fine. That's not acceptable. And there's I a good think... iPhone version of Worms out there, huh? It's awesome. It's awesome. I and you can, get and you can hot seat it. You can, like, apparently, I haven't done it yet, but apparently you can, like, take your turn, hand it to the next guy. He takes his turn, hands it back to you, which on an airplane oh. is just dumb all over it. I mean, Worms has always been, like, it's got to be hot seat friendly. Uh, yep. I mean, I do think if there's one story that's perhaps looming on the horizon, it's for strategy games, it's probably the DSi. Um, like, I, I mean, this is just me speculating, but I've actually been, I, I, I love my DS, but I, I have to admit, I'm a, probably, a, if I look at it as a whole, I don't think there's as many great strategy games on it as I would like to think there are. I don't know if that makes sense to you guys, but like, I, I kind of, <laughs> I kind of like always envisioned that the DS should be just like a great, great platform for strategy games, right? Um, and because it's got a good interface, um, you know, it's got plenty of resolution. You know, it's, you should be able to make these smaller, bite-sized games. Um, and there have been some very good ones. Yeah, there, there definitely have been good ones. But, um, you know, it hasn't really been, at least for me, it, it hasn't really just been <laughs> the smorgasbord like I, I'd like. And I think there, there still is kind of a lot of friction when you're actually making a, a not just a physical product, but an actual cart, cartridge. You know, like, you know, I, I think that there's a lot um, maybe... Well, I guess my, what I'm trying to say is, like, once people are going to be able to make that, make download-only uh, DSi games, um, like, I think that might be an interesting format for strategy games as well. Um, you know, in, in these, for these type of, like, small card games or board games that, you know, Tom was mentioning. But we'll see. Yeah, because that, that's... Because hurry up, hedgehogs. I can't imagine anyone paying $20 for the little physical cart. And yeah, I don't exactly. imagine, I'm guessing you can't go much below $20 when it comes to the production cost of those carts. Exactly. Uh, your your yeah. blog post is what made me think of that, right? Because I'm like, this is a cool game. And then, but I'm like, really, are, you know, 
I really want to pay twenty dollars. Like ultimately, I'm going to buy it for like five bucks when like it's you know no longer selling right. two years from now, right? Um, but if I could buy it for five bucks right now and just download it to my DSi, I would I would you know I'm there, right? Like that that's perfect. That's the right format for it. I mean, right now, this is kind of like the great sorting out. Like they're just you know there's there's all of these new formats and um, you know but you know six or seven years ago. Strategy games meant one thing. It meant a $50 PC title, right? That was it. And right. now we have the freedom that it can mean so many other different things. And right now is just this really interesting time where companies, there's just a lot of companies maybe not even aware that they have an opportunity yet. Um, and so we're kind of going through that process right now. That's how I would define the strategy, the strategy market. Okay. I mean, so, so I, I want to go, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. It was that you, you, so, I mean, I, Tom, I just wanted to actually give this back to you. I mean, so we've talked, we've talked quite a bit about like Armageddon empires here, right? Game that we all love. Mm -hmm. If you right. were, if you were approaching him now and saying, develop your next game, would you in good conscience say, yes, make a downloadable, executable PC only game? Or would you say make an iPhone game? Because given the level of the graphics in that game and the relative simplicity of managing that game, why in the world wouldn't you go after an install base of 30 million people with a propensity to pay five bucks for anything? It, it, me? I wouldn't tell him to do an iPhone game because I don't have an iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, it's not my job to worry about the market. I'm just a dude who no, plays games. I'm, I'm just that's, curious. That's like, for if, people if like you were hired as his consultant... <laughs> You were hired as his consultant. First of all, no one's going to hire me. I would turn the job down because, yeah, that's that's not my bit. No, I get what you're saying. I totally agree, that, Julian, and, and you have a point. But, but I don't, I don't think that Armageddon Empires would that couldn't work on an iPhone, could it? There's like a lot of fiddly stuff in there, isn't there? No, you've got like maybe I, you know what? It really is, Julian. I just have to say that the the iPhone is so beyond it. It's so beyond my ken as a gaming platform because I haven't even seen it. You know, I had one dude recently show me how there's something on the iPhone where you play little flute notes. You know, you blow into the microphone, and then it goes around the world, and you can listen to other people playing flute notes. That's pretty much all I've seen on the iPhone. That and Bruce's mountain climbing pictures. Uh, so I, I, I would assume that, that Armageddon Empires wouldn't work on the iPhone, but if you think it would, then yes, I think Vic should definitely, you know, that definitely makes sense. I agree with you. If there's well, that I mean, many people with iPhones, and if it flourishes that well... 2000 2004-era PC games like Doom 3 and I just finished playing uh, Jules Verne Return to Mystery Island with apparently almost no graphics tweaks whatsoever. On the iPhone? Perfectly on them. Perfectly. That's insane. Julian, you're going to make me leave. As soon as we end, I'm going to end up having to run to the store and get one of those silly touch things you guys are talking about. <laughs> I'm pretty damn close to that myself. Uh, so, sorry, one question I want to ask. We've talked a lot about uh, where the market is. And is there a sense, do you have a sense that many of the larger studios aren't just giving up on strategy games, but they're giving up on strategy gamers? Uh, that it's just uh, too small a market to worry about even doing anything that they might be remotely interested in? I mean, I think the two things are mostly the same. But, I mean, I think uh, I think that is an interesting point in the sense that, you know, um, the way I always like to put it is, you know, something like what? Like, it's been like 9 million people bought Age of Kings and uh, I don't know how many, 15-some million maybe bought StarCraft. Those are, don't quote me on that. I have right. what the real numbers are. But, you know, these were really big sellers. And it's not like those people just vanished, you know. Um, and those are those are... You know, real RTSs. Those aren't, those aren't light RTSs in any way. Um, and uh, I mean, nowadays they maybe look a little light, but that goes along with my whole flight simulator analogy. Um, but 
those are people who like playing strategy games. They haven't gotten anywhere. In fact, there's probably more of them because there's you know people you know people playing games now who were born when StarCraft came out. And um, I, I think that we just don't know how to get games to those people anymore. What's the right way? So uh, you know, until someone proves proves that, I don't think the execs at the big publishers really are going to worry about it too much, right? Um, like we, the strategy gamer market is still such a, you know, such so small compared to like the market that you can hit with something like We Fit that, you know, they're they're just not going to lose sleep over it, right? You know, they'll be happy to do something once the independents prove what a viable market is. But, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I think, I think. So to answer your question, yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I think most of the big publishers have. Um, yeah, I mean, they're not excited about strategy gamers. I mean, they'll, they'll make strategy games just because, like, it's kind of like a reflex, I think. Um, but uh, we need we need an RTS coming out this Christmas. Can you get us one, sort of thing? <laughs> Something like that, you know. Um, well, you guys, you guys just sit tight, and then StarCraft Two will come out, and everything will be fine. You'll see. You know, I would actually. Everything. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if StarCraft did actually lead to some sort of a temporary renaissance. I'm not sure it would yeah. last very long. It would be like a once yeah, again people people ch- chasing that last hit phenomenon. It's going to be such an anomaly that like it's so hard for me to know how. Like, in fact, uh, well, the the industry runs in anomalies. And I was talking to Ensemble. I mean, after the Age of Kings numbers came out, Microsoft was convinced that well, the next game you do yeah. is going to be better. Its numbers are going to be like yeah. the difference between Age of Empires and Age Two. You have the same thing with Age of Mythology, and they just thought it was ludicrous because Age of Kings just came out at the right time. Yeah, exactly. Ensemble was was in many ways doomed by the success of Age of Kings. You know, it's really kind of sad. I mean, that, that's my favorite RTS of all time. Not necessarily because it's the best, although I think it's a really great RTS. But it was it came at the right time for me when like we we played it every day at lunch at Praxis and for you know a year or two. You know, so it was um, yeah, it was just we felt like it was just an incredible game. And um, but there are all of these other factors going on in the market that determine when you can hit, have a hit like that. First of all, they, that was probably their best subject matter of all that series. Um, it was the most familiar. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, coming at a really great time for PC gaming in general. I mean, that, that was, those were the grave years, right? Um, poor Ensemble. I mean, I, they've, how many games probably got canceled internally at Ensemble, right? I mean, it seems like they were they were perpetually working on some other stuff so they could make another game. But at the end of it, you know, when they when you look back at their um, their history, they made four Age of Empires games and Halo Wars. Yeah, everything got ha- everything got canceled. That was talking. I was talking because they had to keep pulling people off to work on the next Age game because that's what Microsoft wanted the next Age game. Yeah, and I mean, I can relate to that. I mean, I know how hard it was at, like, Fraxis to work on something that wasn't wasn't called Civilization, right? And uh, um, it's, you know, this is this is just true. This, sure. This is, if, if there's one thing I would say that's the problem with the strategy game market right now is that there are these dinosaurs, and that, I mean, that's not really the best term for it, but there are... No, that, that's, that's a pretty good term for it. <laughs> there are these pillars, we'll call it that, of success... <laughs> Left over from the 90s, you know, your, your StarCraft and your Civilization and your SimCity, I guess, and your... Uh, um, uh, Command and Conquers. Each game, Command and Conquers. And you can still make those games because they have such such resonance, right? Um, but, you know, nothing new can really spring up because those games only are... 
those games only get funded because the last one sold. And um, you know, making another like I don't think I don't think you could get anyone to fund a game like Civilization from scratch nowadays if it wasn't if it hadn't already um, succeeded. At least certainly nowhere near the scale that it was. You know, Civ Four was funded. Um, so like the the quote unquote strategy market is just basically these 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 uh, you know pillars or dinosaurs just continuing and it would go on like this for a while but you know nothing's really going to like sprout up to try to take their place um, you know except which is why a company like Stardock is so interesting because that's one of the few places these these games come out with a production level that doesn't doesn't feel completely um, half out of yeah exactly. Um, and there's so few companies like that. Let, let me bring up uh, w- one thing that we haven't really talked about, and it may be a non-issue, Soren. I would be curious what you think. Uh, and that's the Japanese factor. Uh, in that they, from from Japan, and these tend to be things that, you know, Atlas brings over or someone like that, like the Disgaea games. Uh, right. Or I've mentioned on this podcast before, this weird little board game called Dorkapon Kingdoms. Uh, Konami just today released something that looks like Sim Ant. I haven't looked at it yet, but it looks like a real-time strategy game for for WiiWare, where you're controlling an ant colony. Uh, Hmm. And I assume, so there's there's stuff coming out of Japan uh, that I guess every now and then we're lucky enough that something sort of gets shunted over here. But a lot of those sort of satisfy for me this, this drive to play clever new strategy games. Uh, is is that significant, or is that just some its own little niche thing? I think that's just that you will talk. every now and then. Get, is that just me? <laughs> You're just but weird. Dragon um, Kingdoms is a genuine, bona fide strategy game. It's I'm a hardcore so, board no. game. I'm not saying it's not. I'm still saying it's just you. Well, certainly, I mean, certainly, Advance Wars is an important title, and that's you know, yeah. Oh, there you go, Advance Wars. Yeah, to, to show the tactical gaming can matter. Um, but uh, Panzer General, by the way, yeah, that wasn't Panzer General originally Japanese. Was it? I, I don't Panzer know. Panzer General is from a Japanese like Genesis game that. Uh, but anyway, that's that's ancient history. But even today, so I'm sorry, I cut you off, Soren. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, unfortunately, I don't think I'm gonna be able to answer this question very well. I mean, I've always been pretty much immune to any game that has like the little you know dialogue things you have to fast forward through, you know. And uh, ah, you're prejudiced against like anime <laughs> too. I bet. I don't only want to pass so many dot dot dots sometimes, you know. And. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so yeah, I, I think there's probably quite a few like uh, quite a few games from Japan that I should play. They're they're interesting strategy games. Like I'd like to try Valkyria Chronicles, but I mean I, I don't have a PS3 and I won't have a PS3 anytime soon. Um, so you know I, I I don't really have an answer for that. I'm afraid. Um, right. But I'm sure there's there's I mean Japan it, we're I think we're really fortunate that you know you know Japanese game design really does kind of exist on its own parallel track, and you know that's great. Like I you know more variety the better. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, how many awesome Japanese strategy games can you get on the iPhone, Julian? <laughs> uh, Japanese strategy games. <laughs> There's some Japanese RPGs you can get. Zeno, Zeno, I, Zeno, Zeno, Zenomia, whatever it was, that one. Uh, is was ported. It sounds like a Japanese game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's there's probably and elements there's a couple of strategy of- gaming in it. There's there's a couple of sort of Advance Wars like clones, um, and there's actually a really competitive Go engine, among other things. Uh, is I've, Uniwar Japanese? Uniwar is not Japanese, but it is kind of ah, an Advance Wars clone. So sorry, right. sorry. <laughs> are, you in your, are you in your iPhone slash Nippon Heat? 
<laughs> well, uh, we're coming up on the hour here, and you're ready to wrap up. Um, any last questions or last words? Spurn, do you play? Uh, do you play? Uh, D- D- I can't, Dominions? Uh, Dominions three. No, um, I, I don't. I mean, it's it's been one of these games. I've always been shocked at how long the threads get on quarter three about that game. So uh, um, it's one of these games I've always been like, oh, I should try that out. And then I look at the. I look at the screenshots, and I'm very confused about... It's a turn-based game, but most of the screenshots are of battles. But it's like a play-by-email. So I'm, I'm, just, I'm like off on the side. I'm, I'm not, I, don't, I haven't really got what the game's about yet. So right. I, I haven't really... That's why they had to hire is, Bruce to write the manual. Yeah, well, it's, I, it's a bunch of Swedes saving strategy gaming also. They're, they're doing their right. part over there. Cool. You think Europe is the last bastion of strategy gaming. And Japan, don't forget Japan. Well, that's that's true. As long as we have uh, Scandinavia and Germany, I mean, there will there will always be a strategy. Yeah. <laughs> that's very true. Uh, can we but, talk a little bit about our our game, where we are in that? Oh, uh, sure. Uh, I'm not sure we have too much of an update because not a lot has happened. Turn six. Oh, right? Speak for yourself. I've I've run into Bruce. You've run into Bruce, have you? What? I have I have met Bruce. How did you do that? Did we Bruce, determine that like, Bruce made is a beeline? Right in the corner? No, Bruce just thrust right into the center of the map. Uh, and so I have found him. This turn that I just submitted to Troy, so it's okay to say this, because by the time Bruce hears this... Bruce has already submitted his... Bruce has submitted his turn as well, so... Okay, well, when we resolve it, I'm trying to do a little sneaky thing where I'm hoping he just attacked a, a territory. It had big old fat elephants in it, and they decimated his army. So I'm hoping he's going to pull back and not pay for defenses in this territory, because I've got... Uh, a group of uh, a scout with a group of hidden dudes that are about to uncloak in there. So if he doesn't pay for any defenses, he's probably smart enough he's going to, then I'm going to steal his territory out from under him. Uh, and then I'm trying to do a little end run around him. I'm probably getting a little too aggressive too early, but w- we'll see how it goes. I'm so, totally yeah, just... I'm, I've got like three territories and I'm just sitting there slowly grinding my way up. I'm, I'm, I'm being very passive. Yeah, I have a. Uh, I'm still waiting Julian's uh, latest turn. Uh, mine's done, of course, because I'm hosting the file. I'm pretty much just holding down the fort for a while, trying to accumulate enough resources to uh, push forward, because there are a lot of really big independent armies in my area. Yeah, my, uh, I'm surrounded by like 90s and 100s. I have my scout sneaking around, my elephant, uh, my elf, my uh, monkey, monkey man scout doing a lot of sneaking about. And he's about in the center of the map, and he's, uh, so he might end up running into uh, your army. Well, I now know, Troy, even though you're all like coy and refuse to say anything about it, you're in the upper right. Yep. Uh, Bruce is in the lower left. I'm, I'm in the, the lower up- right. Julian is in the upper left. Yep, I'm in the upper right. And so everybody's cards are on the table now, so there. So we're all just going to flow downhill into the left. That's the plan, right? Well, I have a feeling, here. here's my prediction. Uh, Bruce and I are going to fight. He's going to probably, like, wipe me out. Uh, Julian, you're not going to figure out what you're doing soon enough to make an impact on the game. <laughs> and therefore, <laughs> Troy will run away with it. That's, that's, <laughs> my, that's my theory. That's just cold. Well, I don't mean that. I mean, this is like, you're, you're the, and I don't, this is just an observation, but you're the least experienced amongst us uh, as yeah. far as, like, having played the game. Uh and, you know, God bless you for joining us, but I think you're going to have a tough time of it when, you know, the rubber hits the road, as it were. A hustler. He's a hustler. <laughs> Can I ask a quick question? So, Soren, you missed oh, the ahead. perfect ahead, opportunity turn. to join us. Okay. 
Go ahead, Saren. Um, so what, what I'm most confused about is when I see shots of Dominion, it looks like some sort of Total War thing, right? There is a, a, a global map, and then there's these, like, battles. Yep. Where I see lots mm-hmm. of units. But whenever I hear you guys describe it, it sounds more like, yeah, like a Pip-Boss or play-by-email Civ game, you know, where, you know, it's like, okay, we're on turn six, and each of the turns matters, and people spend all the time into it. But the battles can't actually happen, right? I mean... No, the, the, the battles happen because you don't have any control over them. You have no control. Okay, so you're watching just. So it's like a, you a could video, just be reading a spreadsheet. Yeah, you could just be reading a spreadsheet. Yeah, only it's the really- that's not entirely true. I mean, you you do not play the battles. What right. you do is you have a lot of control over the setup of your army. And strategy. And part of that and control tactics, is how you arrange the army and how you tell the different components of the army to interact. You can tell them, for instance, you go around and attack the rearmost enemy and you guys attack the closest enemy, and you guys cast these spells. Right. Uh, and then if they happen to get into a battle, they'll sort of try to follow those orders. There are a lot of die rolls involved. You can watch They're a replay of it. And, yeah, yeah. You actually have control over how things are distributed physically on the field. Yeah, and they'll follow those orders no matter what enemy they run into. This isn't a battle plan you adjust on the fly. It's, you know, these are your standing orders when you engage. So the uh, videos are there essentially to give you feedback feedback on how well you set yes, up your yeah, Yes, exactly. They are, they are em- it's essential that you watch them. Okay. Well, that sounds interesting. That sounds to me the way I, I would have preferred the Total War series to be, so I probably should check it out. Um, and it's all very uh, above the hood, Soren. You can yeah. during the replays, for instance, you can pause it at any time, click on any unit, see how many hit points it has left, see what its strength is. I mean, they're they're just so generous and open with the, the numbers that run the simulation. Uh, it's a very interesting concept. Of, it's a very interesting concept. It's like, well, it's an interesting concept that I guess they essentially build an RTS that you can't play if that's the right way to put it. I mean, I don't I don't mean that disparagingly at all. It's just like that's interesting. Usually right. when you put that much time into something that happens real time that you can see and all this stuff is going back and forth, you know, like people want to be involved. And I always find game design very, very interesting game design when you take away control. You say, okay, yeah. I, you know, I know we could go down this path, but we're not. And then it works. You know, I, I, I think that, um, you know, designers are often you know, afraid to do that. So I think it's interesting when games come up, you know, showing the designers weren't afraid to do that. So. I think of I think of Majesty when I hear you say that, Soren. Yes, yeah, I, that, uh, that's a great example, definitely. Uh, and this and Dominions is great at that as well. So, I, I, yeah, you should definitely take a look at how they play their battles out because it's a great compromise between taking away control and giving you control in that you right. do the setup and then the simulation takes over from there. And weren't there? Isn't there like a Julian? You would know this. Aren't there a bunch of board games like these? Like. You build a little robot, and then you program it, and you flip over the cards one at a time. Yeah, that's Robo Rally. Yeah, 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 exactly. And isn't that the same kind of thing, Julian, where you're setting up orders, but you're blind as to yeah, what the orders are on the other side? To, yeah, to some extent, although the the amount of chaos that's involved isn't quite as high. I mean, the whole, the whole point of Robo Rally is that you get drunk, and you forget what you put down for card number four, and then things <laughs> break, and then you can't change card number four anymore, and, and it's... It, just devolves into total chaos very quickly. No, well, but there is that sort of similar programming aspect to it. Uh-huh. Can can you play Robo Rally on the iPhone? <laughs> Not yet. Okay. It's only a matter of time. Right. It's only a matter of time. <laughs> that'll be the big seller for you. That'll that'll lock it in. You know, if people start putting board games on the iPhone, I this this stupid little hurry up hedgehogs thing. I'm just so enamored of the fact Zuloretto. that Zuloretto did that. Zuloretto spilled so, the jar winner last year. There's a great. 
Zuloretto on it. On the Wait, iPhone, what, what, a, what's that word game. you just said? Zuloretto? Zuloretto. Zuloretto? Yeah. What the heck kind of goofy names are these games? What is that? <laughs> it's a zoo management game where you have to like try to create the optimal mixture of attractive animals in your little park. And is this a sound, German a, board game? Yes. Yeah. Oh my god! And, last this, year. and it's on the iPhone. Yes. Ah, I gotta go. I'm out of here, you guys. I gotta run to Best Buy real quick before they close. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, and actually, there's a great, there's a great. I can't remember what it's called, like Congregate or something. There's a great Settlers of Catan illegal knockoff game too. The Zuloretto thing, you've totally. I, just the concept and that it's. Oh, oh good lord, <laughs> Julian. All thanks for hear, costing huh? me. Uh, how, how much is an iP- How much is an iPod Touch? I think they list for one sixty nine or something like that. But you can eBay them used so cheap. Yeah, see, now I've got to run this past the uh, the budget. Officer. <laughs> oh, I'm a pusher. My check's in the mail. Yeah, see if the budget control officer won't let me get the money. Soren, have you heard of this Zuloretto thing? Yeah, it's a great game. I, I, I've played it. It's really good. Yeah, there's a whole series of Oretto games. There's like Coloretto and Aquaretto or something. Retto. Retto, yeah. <laughs> but I can vouch for Zuloretto. It's very good. It's got the Zuloretto is the most, like, Zuloretto is the hardcore one. Coloretto I play with my kids. But Zuloretto is like a real serious resource management game. It's got it a great totally sounds precious, of, too. <laughs> something like that. Precious and cute. And of the picking your, when you pick your animals. It's a really interesting uh, situation. Um, it's all about you know, de- denying someone else you know, what they want, or you take what you really need yourself. You know? Right. Hmm. Yes. It's a great sort of your bidding thing going on. Well, thank you for joining us uh, tonight, Zorn. Cool. When you, we, hope, we hope you can have you on uh, sometime uh, when you can announce and talk about uh, what you're actually doing. And also, Soren, whatever you're doing, just go ahead and release it with just, like, numbers and placeholder graphics. You know, we are okay with that. The three of us on this podcast, we've played Dwarf Fortress, or at least yeah. have entertained playing Dwarf See, Fortress. The, so, if don't it, worry if it about had nothing first. but numbers, letters, and, you know, little shadows, Bruce would be playing that for hours. <laughs> when the, when World the War II in the Pacific, it it's all over. Yeah. It just needs Nazis. I see. All right, I'll have to work on that. So say goodnight, everybody. Goodnight, everybody. Good night, all. Oh, and then next week, we talk about um, Blood Bowl and sports management games. So, guys, make sure you have Blood Bowl. One more game I have to play. Bye.